All right. Now, on to the message. Upward and onward. Okay. I, I, I'm going to tell you guys a secret, okay? You guys ready for it? The guys over here know this about me. I hate giving the tithe uh, <laughs> announcement. It is my least favorite thing to do. That's why John was over here just snickering the whole time. <laughs> All right. So today, we have been talking about this place where we are family, right? Community. This is the last sermon of this series. The last one. For me, this could be a sermon that is either going to leave you hopeful or it's going to make you feel terrible. Because in reality, it, it, this is the choice. This is the time of choice. And really, it's leading to a new season for us as a church. We're coming up with a new place, a new foundation, a new way we're going to act, new DNA, a new way to breathe, a new way to see, and really even a new way to represent God. But it's not one individual or a few individuals that will do this. It's together we can do this. Because we are the family. Each person in here represents this family. Go ahead and go to the next slide. See, when you look at the subjects we've covered, which have been a multitude, but this is just a few. We are one family where every single person is needed. You are all hope to somebody. There is somebody waiting for what has been stored inside of you because Jesus is stored inside of you. You have a testimony that not only doesn't disenfranchise you, but it empowers you to be more than an overcomer. We have one father. None of us are orphans anymore. None of us are wayward. None of us even are separated because we're unified with that father and we're unified with a family. So even if we're disagreeing, if we're in different places, this hair is driving me crazy. Um, we are unified and we have to fight for that. That's a place we have to fight for. But then not only that, but we have one salvation together and that salvation, that saving grace is something we all partaking in and we all got to fight for each other to receive. Because we have been saved, but we're also being saved. There's an active participation as we see that we are in sanctification right now. There is more for all of us because God is good. And the truth is, is that as we participate with God, we're called not to represent this world, but represent who? Jesus. Yeah, we're going to imitate Christ. Be like him. And us as a community seek to be defined by him, defined by his ways. And then we're going to be rooted in community, having those roots of love, care, kindness. Ultimately, even where we come back to a place that we are with that word wisdom, right? Wisdom that is God glorifying, Christ exalting, people loving Knowledge that God has given us being defined in a place where we're raising up our father, we're exalting our savior, and we're ultimately seeking to be defined by him, but not by this world. Amen. Next slide. But then we find ourselves on this slide and really we're transitioning into this sermon today where comparison is one of the things that 
hard to find ourselves really fulfilling what we're called to, even how we live. I don't know about you, but I grew up saying, I want to be like Jordan. You know, I'm like, even though I can't play basketball worth a, a dang, I can't shoot. I got great defense. I got terrible shooting. This brother right here, he can hoop. But like, John's okay, you know, if he wasn't so many. Um, <laughs> I'm sure Jordan Boatman got it in him too. But when we talk about this, it's, there's a real place that like, it's like we all talked about being cool like Mike, running whatever game, like being the best and epic like Mike and whatever we're doing. But then like we look at the new goat in sports, right? Tom Brady. You want to be loosey goosey like Tom and everybody hates Tom. They hate LeBron too, but, <laughs> but the thing is, is they compare themselves to this place of greatness. But where does it leave you and where you are today? But we find ourselves in another form of comparison, right? That compares what we wish we had and what we don't have. So like being rich, being educated, being successful, we compare ourselves and it leaves us in a judgment, a deficit of ourselves. And that we end up in a place that says either they're ahead of me and I can't connect with him or B that they think the same thing I'm thinking about myself. Then we go on in the negative sense. We see that there's a negative impact that happens. What's the one that's most happening on our Facebook feeds right now is the truth is, is that we're comparing ourselves to what's good and what's bad based off of Republican or Democrat and us comparing to Republican and Democrat has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. The truth is, is we do not serve an empire. We serve a king. And in that place, as we, we partner with this party, we end up looking at our brothers and sisters and disqualifying them rather than unifying with them based off our judgments of integrity and character, which are reflected off earthly values rather than godly values. So as we talk about this, what ends up happening? Does that, does that, does that comparison of Republican and Democrat actually unify us with Christ? Is it building so much of a kingdom that it, it actually tells the world we love them and we love each other? No. Comparison asks the question of who are you imitating? Are you imitating Christ? Or are you imitating whoever the leader of your party is? Who are you imitating? Are you imitating wanting to be like the image of the commercial or success or Jesus. That is the challenge of what our community wants to define itself off of. Is not the fact that we can do everything. We are the most powerful. We are the most wise. We are the richest. But in fact that we had a Christ die on a cross for us who paid everything. Gave up his life. Gave up all of his riches, his wisdom, his knowledge to invest in something that can't even identify the value of that and wouldn't believe it even if they were told. 
to save them and bring them back into love, to bring them back into like relationship. So we can ultimately participate with him. That's what we should be defined by. And all it does is like Paul tells us that we are ultimately participating with Scubalon poop <laughs> all my my kids would be laughing so hard right now that I said poop <laughs> see we have to think through the lens of love and unity and the communal action of us serving God that is what we've gone over after the last eight weeks or whatever we've been on this sermon it's what we see in the New Testament is they they have no problem identifying themselves as we it is something that us as Americans have to overcome. It's identifying ourselves as I, starting to identify ourselves as we. So as we talk about this, go to the next slide. Let's go into testimony. Who's going to testify today? Mm-hmm. Testimony, let's go Bowman, yeah. Can you hear me? I I just wanted to. Um, I am so grateful for everyone here who's just helped Luda and I. Um, just with uh, the transition, having more kids are our home and learning to be a parent to four kids, and I just really appreciate all the help and, and encouragement. And you know, Stefan talks about being a community. Like I really feel like I'm part of it, just people reaching out and seeing how we're doing. And uh, even if we don't know how to say how you can help us, like I just really appreciate the the offer and the prayers and everything. And uh, it's just, it's, um, it just, it's just during this time of people being divided, it's just showing that we still have a community of people who care about, um, who have, find their identity in Christ and care about, um, each other and want the best for each other, um, even if they're from different backgrounds or um, have different political views. We still we'll st- we're still united and care for each other. So I just wanted to. Amen. I love that he he didn't even like stutter when his glasses became fully fogged. He was still just looking like, I'm looking at the Christ Jesus. <laughs> okay, next testimony. <laughs> next testimony. Test, te- te- testify, testify. Okay, I'm going to choose somebody. Just remember, I warned you. Come on, Jamie. It's your turn. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. I'm Jamie. I go to Stefan's Prodigals Church and have for like four years for those of you that don't know me. Um, And I don't know. I just was, I don't know what I'm going to say. I was just contemplating on what you, Jordan, just said about um, find their identity in Christ. And it got me thinking about how, uh, well, I guess there's a couple lessons that I've learned in my life. Um, And like, I keep talking about people that have had conversations with me know that I keep talking about this world revolves around Jamie's circle compared to this world revolves around Christ's circle and how my little circle is what I see most of the time. And I know that this circle belongs in the revolves around.
Christ circle, so that my circle is revolving around Christ. Um, but all I see is my little circle, my little circle. And what I need to be doing is seeing the big picture where I see the world revolving around Christ. I'm going to move that. <laughs> um, the world revolves around Christ. And then through my identity in him and his circle, and I, I am belonging to his circle, I can see the other people in his circle and the other people that aren't in the circle of, you know, where it's revolving around Christ. And I don't know, that's so powerful to me. Um, one of the other things about being identified in Christ, um, when Stefan was first teaching me how to really listen to God, um, and I felt his presence one day, I was so lost in trying to figure out who I am and what my identity is that I asked God, I, I mean, he was there, I felt him, and I was like, God, who am I? And then I was not in his presence anymore. And um, I realized that that was the wrong question, that it's not who am I, but who are you? And as I was asking God, who are you? He has just poured out, and it's been three and a half years since that happened, but he's just poured out my identity on me more and more and more, and he's given me wonderful words of who I am. You know, I am, I'm Rachel, I'm not Leah, I'm an ambassador, I'm a warrior, um, I'm loved, I am chosen, like he just, you know, I'm his, I'm his child, and my identity in Christ is so huge and important, and it's first found in God, who are you? Jamie just testifying. Oh, ooh, child, things are going to get easier. All right. So I just want to start with saying that, like, even looking at the testimonies of today, which I didn't plan any of them, as you could tell, but it's it comes back to this place of community, this place of what has God done for you, this place of what he's calling you to, and we might not have the answers, but we know that God does. Amen. So as this community, I want you guys to just, we're about to pray for two people, okay? Not these two people. I'll pray for you guys on my own time. But uh, there's two people who are struggling in our church right now. Um, one of them is Bob. I mean, Mike. Mike. I don't know why I always think, <laughs> I always say his name is Bob because the first thing he did was introduce himself as Bob to me and he kept calling himself Bob. And then he started, when I went to the, the, the Rudy community, he started introducing himself as Greg. And I was just like, that's when I realized it was Mike. But okay. So Mike is in the emergency room right now. So we want to pray for him. We also want to pray for Neil and just the recovery of Neil. And also the recovery of Mike. Okay, guys? So, like, let's just, let us just with our hearts be focused on them for a second. Lord Jesus, we raise up as a family, Mike and Neil. Lord, first of all, we know that Mike is stubborn and he's awesome and he's strong and he, he just keeps it moving, Lord. And I just pray that even as a faithful son who is here every week, Lord, that we would be able to put our hands, even as a family, out to say we we are unified around the heart that says you want to meet him, Lord. And I just pray that whatever is coming against his heart would be healed, would be like would have the right physicians to know the answers, and that everything that would cause it to to stop would be loosened. Lord, I pray for Neil. Um, 
I actually don't know how much permission I have to share all that stuff. But I will say that just Neil would recover, regenerate, and that he would even be able to fully experience the love I know that is surrounding him, of the people that are for him. And that that he would be able to fully encounter you in his current moments. I pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. So, next slide. So, really, today is how do we put into action all we've learned if we're this is a transition time this is going to be a time that really stands for our foundation as family as for christ is for like just unity and love then we have to be able to know these four ways to live out what we have learned and these four ways are all built out of what we read today so let's go ahead and start the journey first slide next slide yeah so don't live by the look good see i know that's a little bit of slang for you guys but like look good have you guys ever heard that term before it means that like you you put on a mask and you try to look really good in front of people but you really just like funky it's like you drive a BMW, but you don't even got a house no more. It's like when you, it's like when you go and you buy, like you, you go on a date and you buy the girl like a hundred dollar meal, but your lights are off. So it's like, that's the look good. <laughs> it's like in reality, it's just like this little boy who's wearing his dad's suit that actually doesn't fit him. He's trying to take on another identity to look good. But the truth is, is it doesn't even fit him. See, we read in verse 12 and 13, those who want to make a good impression in public before the Jews try to compel you to be circumcised just so they will escape being persecuted for faithfulness to the cross of Christ. For even the circumcised Jews themselves do not really keep the law, but they want to have you circumcised so they may boast in your flesh. That is in the fact that they convinced you to be circumcised. All that to say, we're talking about circumcision, which is really uncomfortable for a lot of people. But the thing is, is that like to make this the most simple message about this is the first way to live is to not live for other people's opinions. It's because the truth is, is that there's all sorts of spiritual regulations and worldly regulations in our life that try to tell you how to live. But the thing is, is if you're so busy fulfilling those, sometimes you lose the relationship of God and the relation, the relationship of authenticity. You may have spent so much time actually showing up and doing all of these activities but really, you're at home and you're still, I mean, I'm going to be a little bit raw with it, okay? So, you're going to be at home, like some people will be struggling with porn. In reality is, is that, like, you may show up to every church event. And you may fast or whatever else publicly. But at the end of the day, you don't know how to even help the people in our body love. You don't know where Jesus is. You have the questions about where he's even meeting you. 
You know that you're doing the activities, but you have the personal questions of why I'm not seeing Jesus in my life. I'm just being real with it. The fact is, is we do a lot of activities, but we don't know the reason why. And the reason why we don't want to live by the look good is not because those things aren't good. But it's because if you do things for the what, not the why, you actually aren't transformed by them. You can do things that are godly. But the thing is, is without knowing why and seeing Jesus at the center of it, you're not doing it for Jesus. You're doing it for the outcome. Next slide. Live for Christ. So, I mean, obviously that flows right into it, right? But far be it for me to boast in anything or anyone except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom the whole world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything of any importance, nor uncircumcision, but only a new creation, which is the result of a new birth, a spiritual transformation, a new nature in Christ Jesus. I specifically chose to use Amplified today because, first of all, I love it. But the second part is that I think when we talk about the subject matter of Christ and living for Christ in this place, we can quickly recognize how many other things take up real estate in our hearts. But if I'm crucified to this world, that means, just like I was talking about earlier, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I am a citizen of Jesus. If I'm crucified to this world, in reality, I'm not for the Lakers or the Raiders. I'm talking about me. (laughs) But the truth is, is that what my undying loyalty... And my undying integrity has to stand for is but one thing in my heartbeat, Christ Jesus. Because as I find value and other things in that place, all it does is actually give me a false fulfillment that once I'm done with it, I end up feeling empty, right? Like, we might feel great. I know everything about what happened over the last five days politically. But you know what else I felt? Extremely exhausted trying to follow all that stuff. It did not give me any life. Did it give any of you guys life? Or did it make you want to turn off your Facebook? So in reality, is is that that kind of identity doesn't help you. Nor does... Not to say the politics are bad. That we're not to be invested in the... like in the way that we influence the world, but we're not to be defined off of it. See, our heartbeat has to come back to a place that is simply defined off of Jesus, that this moment, this small moment, is just for us to push out Jesus' name, to represent him in our actions, our heartbeat, our will, our unity, our love, our actions. We can't be caught up in, like, what is it, Second Timothy that says we can't be caught up in, uh, what is the word, not, not a military, but a, uh, never mind. What did you say? No, it's when you're, when you're a citizen or uh, you're, not, you're not a professional. But what? 
Actually, I think it is civilian. You're not to be caught into civilian affairs. Yeah, he actually had it right. Well, you got that. Whoop, whoop. And it says that we're, we're, we, we are to not be caught up in things that don't further the kingdom. But the problem is, is that like, I think we're called to be influencers, but ultimately it comes from a new creation comes from a place where we have crucified the world to us. And it does come from a place that I am seeking with every bit of me to be like Jesus, not to be for what this world is. Cause guess what? The world's wicked. It's not like, it's not like, aha, Biden is bad. That's why the truth is, is Biden does not represent things about Jesus. Neither does Trump. Neither does the Republicans, neither does the Democrats. But guess what? The government wasn't made to worship God. It was made to honor the land. And the land has wicked attributes to it. That's why we're part of a different kingdom. And our heart has to be surrounded around that different kingdom. So how do we... Oh, wait. Number three. Whoop, 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 whoop. Live honest with yourself. Here's where we're going to get a little bit more dicey. I've, I've, I know I've been stepping on toes. I apologize. But, you know, this kind of is what it is. We have to live honest with ourselves. For if anyone thinks he is something special, when in fact he is nothing special except in his own eyes, he deceives himself. So, as I said, we live in comparison. What does comparison do? Comparison says either I am less than or what else does it say? I'm better than. Where do we see that reflected? We see it reflected in the way that we deal with homeless people, drug addicts, the person who keeps sinning in your church, the person that you don't like online. We look at people and we quickly say, you know, even though unintentionally, Sometimes we can find ourselves saying, well, at least I'm not doing that. <laughs> at least I'm not struggling with that. But what we find is, is that it, if we sit too long in that mindset, we can quickly become not honest with ourselves, recognizing that we are equally saved by Jesus, that we equally need to reflect him and we're equally seeking him. And as we participate with a Jesus who died on a cross, who, who gave up everything to give us who don't see value, we have to recognize that sometimes in our comparisons, our judgments, and these actions that really are trying to satisfy a worldly value or give us some kind of clout by people-pleasing, we can make ourselves something that we actually don't ever believe ourselves to be. Or actually have made it into a place with Jesus. Amen? As I said, this can get real rough or not. Going on to verse 4, it says, But each one of you must carefully scrutinize his own work, examining his actions, attitudes, and behavior. And then he can have the personal satisfaction, the inner joy of doing something commendable without comparing himself to another. I don't even really got to speak no more about that. Cause I mean, in reality, it's saying that you have to be able to look at yourself and say, why am I doing this? What is my 
attitudes around this. Am I complaining interiorly about it? Am I fully for Jesus in this? Am I looking for myself in this? Am I selfish? Am I hard-hearted? Am I, am I loving? Am I celebrating? Am I juiced? Am I frustrated? And it's just being honest with yourself. So at the end of the day, the real joy comes from that you did the best you, you could and that ultimately you're standing before Jesus knowing that you were a faithful servant. Because that's where joy and peace comes from. Knowing that at the end of the day, a Jesus who sold everything, gave you this value, even though you didn't deserve it, impacted you, was for you, rescued you, saved you, and that you were faithful to the call of that. Because as he touched you and saved you, he brought you to a family to be identified as a people. And it's saying that you acted like that people group. Next one. Live for good. Yeah, yeah. So when we look at living for good, let us not weary for doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. How many of us do good for a short amount of time and then burn out and be like, uh, I didn't see what I wanted. So uh, I'm done. I think in this heart position, this community that we're talking about doesn't come right away from everybody. No. The truth is, is if we want to stand as a people who represent Jesus and represent unity and represents the father and fights for it, the truth is, is that we are a collection of people who are emotionally and relationally stuttered at times. We don't know how to do some of this. It's so different to us. And the truth is, is that we have to do good for each other. We have to be the example. We have to be Christ to each other until we see the fruit come to life. And sometimes it takes a little bit. So don't grow weary of it. Do it because you're doing it unto Christ. Do it because you know that ultimately the person that you're honoring is God. Because the truth is, is that if you're not doing it for God, it will never be satisfying. But what will end up happening is if you're doing it for God, when the fruit comes, guess what? You just got double bonus. It's like the double blessing. Cause not only were you blessed by Christ, but now you're blessed by the fruit of your faithfulness. It's kind of like doing gardening. Is like, in reality, when you get that first reap of tomatoes, you're hecka juiced. Like, yeah, mm, I got some tomatoes. But <laughs> the truth is, is that there's always a second level of tomatoes, right? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but then the second tomatoes are always way better. Like, they're the juicy tomatoes. And so it's like, I'm like, I think it's so much like that as we we continue to reap, we look at that first set of fruit that we receive and we almost always go, that's not that much. That's not that juicy. That's not that great. But then as we're faithful to continue watering it and giving it what it needs, when that second reaping comes, it's the true blessing because it's what the fruit is meant to feel like and taste like and be like. Amen. So when we look at Galatians 10, 610, it says, so then as we have opportunity, let's do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Everyone? Yeah, everyone. That means the people you don't like. That means the people you judge. That means the people you don't pay attention to. 
That means the outcasts. That means the mamas and the granddaddies and grandmommies. That's everyone. The stinky person. That's me usually. I'm just joking. The loud people, the quiet people. Everyone. Because we are responsible to love and do good to us first. This is the testimony. The testimony isn't just how perfect you are outside. That can end up being look good. But it's how we love in here. What are you willing to overcome in here to represent Jesus to each other? What are you willing to put down? What rights are you willing to put down so that you know that the testimony of Jesus has happened? That each person in here may not know how to encounter or repent or like be loved or participate with a good God. But you are for sure going to make sure that they have every ammunition to participate with that. It starts here. So go ahead and go to the next slide. The truth is, is it comes down to loving our family. But always the hardest thing for us to deal with, as I just pointed out. As not the people who are awesome. You know, when everything's going awesome, it's super easy, right? How many of us have encountered when things start going rough or somebody else is acting a fool to us? In other words, treating us disrespectfully or doing something sinful to us. We give up or we turn on them. The truth is, is we see really clearly Throughout the word, we're taught something different. And in this community, I want us to fight for something different. I want us to be something different where people can fail, where people can encounter something new, where people can be in wild because the truth is, is my Jesus came for them. Your Jesus came for them. So when we look and we see brothers, if anyone is caught in any sin, You who are spiritual, that is, you who are responsive to the guidance of the Spirit. How many of us want to be led by the Spirit? Hallelujah. So as we are led by the Spirit, we are responsible to restore such a person to the spirit of gentleness. Not with a sense of superiority or self-righteousness. Keeping a watchful eye on yourself so that you are not tempted as well. So if we are led by the spirit, we saying we are for Jesus, that means it's not our responsibility to judge them, but to restore them and love them. Does that mean that you let them keep on slipping? No, you're going to have to speak truth to them. You'd be like, you're tripping. But it means that you don't, you don't cast stones at them. We don't hurt the sick, do we? We don't hurt those who don't know better, do we? And even worse than that, we don't hurt those who are crying out in pain. It's not like somebody's like on fire and you kick them. It's like, no, it's like in reality, we want to save them. We want, we want to love them. But then to follow it up is in Galatians 6, 2, it says, carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ. That is the law of Christian love. The truth is, is we are not alone. None of you guys are alone. In the very least, you have me, but we have each other. We are responsible for our own burdens. We're going to go before Jesus 
and our choices will be judged. But the truth is, is do you want to leave people with their own burdens? Or would you like to help people carry to make sure they finish the race with excellence? Do you want to be a place that we can say we fulfilled the law of Christ, which is to love each other and love each other like Christ did? We may only be responsible for our own burdens, but we get the blessing and the ability and the gift to love each other and help each other carry each other's burdens. See, to kind of recap what we've covered, (laughs) recap what we've covered, (laughs) all these things about community, and I want to say that in this place of what I've just described as action, us being for each other, us being for Christ, us being unified, and us really taking this honest stance with ourselves. Can you see how unity all of a sudden becomes way more attainable? It says, I'm not better than none of you. In fact, I need you. When we say, is it easier to care for somebody with those four steps I just talked about? When you, when you see that you're not alone, that in fact, you get the opportunity to worship and bless them, that in this, we're, we're trying to live for Christ, not for this world. And that ultimately this good that we're doing is to God, not to us. Is it easy to love when you recognize you've been loved? Is it easy to think about other people's interests and our actions based off a place where Christ has already given it and where we are participating with something that isn't rewarding us always right now, but is already rewarded us. The truth is, is interdependence is something that has to be learned and we can only practice at failing at it. But I'm, I'm not so, I've never been so much more blessed to learn how to do it than with you guys. See, it's hard, it's confusing, it's scary, it's painful, but we may not have done it or known how to do these things. Some of us may be looking at our past and going, well, this seems impossible. This seems hard. This seems like I don't know. I don't know where we're going. I don't, I, I, this is, this is really foreign to me. It's dangerous. But the truth is, is we reap what we sow. We've lived in isolation. We've lived for ourselves in a lot of places. And even the church has taught us that. But the beautiful part is, is that you reap what you sow. Why is that beautiful? It's beautiful because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we can learn and everything can change. If you start sowing today, love, unity, care, living for Christ, it will change tomorrow. What the past may have sowed may have created your current environment. But what you do today can empower your tomorrow. Go and go to the next slide. All right, all right. And it comes down to this last challenge, this real thought. We are at the precipice of change. If today is the day of salvation, if today is the day of change, then we have to ask ourselves a bunch of questions. 
And I want to just say these quick stories. How many of us have heard Sodom and Gomorrah? They were destroyed because of their wickedness, right? And Lot and his wife were booking it. And what caused Lot's wife to turn to stone? Looking back. The truth is, is that uh, I'm not going to hit that yet. When we talk about the Red Sea. In the Red Sea, we see that the Israelites have been pulled from persecution, from brokenness, from a place where they had been devastated and oppressed. They were brought to the impossibility of this water and they had thought it was the end of them. And when they reached the end of them, what did Moses do? He took his staff and as a representation of Christ, he split that water. As they walked through that water, it was a sign that they were set free to represent God and belong to God. They became a people and they became a belonging of God through walking through the impossible. So when we look forward in this next season, we have to start asking ourselves, are we going to be trapped and look back at the destruction and the the failures of the past and the places we've been and hoping for the things that it gave us and be stuck as a pillar of salt? Will we be able to continue on? Will we be trapped? Will we be held by the idea of what has already been destroyed? Or are we going to step and look at the impossible, the things we don't know, the Christ who has saved us, the one who's walked on waters, the one who's healed people, who resurrected from the dead, who's alive today, making himself known, saving people, believing right now that we have the opportunity to participate with. Will we step through the waters to be identified by him and to have him as our God? See, the truth is, is that you can change. I've changed. I'm still changing. Being here is changing me. That's the beauty of walking. We all have the opportunity today. Today to look more like Jesus. Today more to know our God. And as we go into this next season, the beauty of it is, is that we're not alone in doing that. You guys have each other. We have family. Now's the time to walk in faith, guys. Don't look back. We need you. Walk through the people. Walk through the water. Be God's people and let him honor you. And you honor him. Together, with Christ, we can do this. As we enter into this last worship song, I want everybody on Facebook, YouTube, everybody here to take this time and we're going to be praying for anybody who wants to be prayed for. If there's any place that you want to be empowered in this place, you don't know how to do this. You don't know where you are. You don't know what is going on. I want to pray for you. If you are in a place where you think of people who you want to empower, who you want to love on, who you want some more for, I want to pray for you. If there's people who you feel like you got something against, guess what? I want to pray for you. 
if you want this future where we represent Jesus and we represent the Father in a way that glorifies him to this world, both through love but ultimately through action and character that says that he's real, I want to pray for you. Take this opportunity. It could pass. And it could be like the rest of those times. Or it can be your chance to walk through the water and really learn what it means to be for God.